You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey, I'm Will, and they call me the doctor. And I'm Joe, the maestro. We host a podcast called Common Creatives, where we break apart the art we love to see what makes it tick. Basically, we give you the definitive take on whatever or whoever we're discussing. You don't need to go anywhere else. So check out Common Creatives wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long. We are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. We are back with a book club episode because everyone needs to read more. So this is Satanic PBS, and this is me telling you that you need to read more. I am here with the amazing Danielle. Hi. Why, thank you. Hello, everyone. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Yep, I love I love your satanic LeVar Burton spiel. Everybody read more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Hello. Yeah. Uh, hi, how are you? How's life? How are you? How's, let's not talk about life. It's 2020. Uh, let's not talk about life. It's 2020. No. Biden, Biden won. <laughs> I'm so alive. That's good. We're alive. Yeah. We are... Yeah. We are uh, tenuously employed. <laughs> we are mm-hmm. holding on by a thread, and all of that is accurate. Yes, yes, <laughs> I am. Yeah, binging yeah. so much of the Great British Baking Show. It's humiliating. Oh my gosh, us too. Yeah. Oh I, my gosh, it's so good though. And <laughs> so I'm a horror person. I only mm-hmm. watch horror so how i fell into the clutches of the great british baking show i really have no fucking clue i don't i don't know how this happened but truly it has been my consolation over the past few weeks um all right so (laughs) all that aside life is existentially horrifying so what better way to cure the existential horror than to read a lot of books so in this episode, we are discussing uh, de, uh, what what was the name of this book? Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Um, my <laughs> my brain is fucking shattered today. My oh no, like oh. I, I am I am a broken human being today, and I am like exhausted and overworked, and my schedule is all fucked up because of holidays. Holi- yeah. holidays just destroy everything. So like I am a delirious broken shadow of my of myself okay so in this episode we're discussing uh grandstanding the use and abuse of moral talk by brandon Mm -hmm. brandon ormke and justin tozy two philosophy guys they're two philosophers i also believe they are both professors but before we get to that i really have to thank my patrons they are my personal lords and saviors especially right now since i am working less to reduce my exposure to the public because there is a plague so um i am enormously grateful to my patrons every little bit helps and right now truly the money that they are giving me goes to basic things like 
electric bills and feeding my cats and uh, groceries. And so truly to all of my patrons from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And I believe in bringing this content to the world for free, but I need margin in order to do that. And that margin is created by my patrons. So if you enjoy my work and if you want to see me keep doing it, please consider joining their number by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. You get extra content every month or no, not every month, every week, uh, especially my House of Heretics podcast where Timothy the pastor and myself, the Satanist, have a uh, sometimes awkward conversations. Uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. All right. So for this week, I have to thank Lavinia, Paul Snyder, Jackal Troy, and St. Licorice, my latest patrons. You are my personal lords and saviors. Thank you so much. Also, this show is sponsored by the Satanic TV. It is a streaming platform by the Satanic Temple for not just Satanists, but anyone who is into the dark, the deviant, the weird. And so there's a bunch of ritual. There's a satanic cooking show. There are also live streams. There are lectures. There are movie nights with our founder, Lucian Greaves. All kinds of amazing stuff is going on over there. And you can get one month free by using my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space, at checkout. Please take advantage of that. There is some amazing content, and they have more on the way every month. All right. I think that's it. I think that is all the housekeeping for this week. So, hi. Hello, Danielle. Hi. Let's talk Hello. about this book. It was... Um, how to, how, how oh. to sum up this book? It, it, was, <clears throat> it was useful and frustrating, that's that's the best yes. way I can articulate this book. So let's let's just first get into kind of the premise of this book. So grand, mm-hmm. it, it, it's about grandstanding, which they define as moral talk for self inflation or or self benefit for self promotion for yeah. self promotion. There it is. So moral talk for self promotion. And but what is moral talk? Moral talk is. Um, any talk about morality, right? That it's pretty. Yeah, just it's pr- talking about morals. Just talking about morals, right? Yeah. So, so the point here is that moral talk isn't bad. Moral talk is a no. necessary cornerstone of of being human, of right? Society of, of, so- of living in a society. Yeah, living in society, mm-hmm. having a civilization. We have to talk about mm-hmm. morality. We have to talk about right and wrong. We just, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first chapter of this book is, or, or the introduction to this book is called um, Moral Talk is Not Magic. And, yes. and the, the idea here, and Danielle, correct me if I'm wrong, because I get the feeling that you read this book way more closely than I did. Um, <laughs> but moral talk is not in and of itself good or bad, but it is a tool that can be used in positive or destructive ways. We we tend to see moral talk, however, as magic, as this magical tool that can make things better, that can make th- that that can advance our causes, that can when when really it's just a tool. It is a neutral tool that can be used productively or abused um Mm -hmm. they they give several examples of moral talk going 
bad. Awry. Awry at the very beginning. So this isn't necessarily an example of grandstanding for reasons that we'll get into later, but it is an example of moral talk going awry. So here's a tweet. I will not say who the user is because I don't protect the mostly innocent. Yeah. So or whatever. (laughs) Don't remember bad things about good people. Um. I'm so this tweet is I'm so finished with white men's entitlement lately that I'm really not sad about a two year old being eaten by a gator because his daddy ignored signs. Yeah. So the point. So this is so in 2016. Oh my. So in 20. Okay. Yeah. So in, so in 2016. A t- this is a quote from the book. Twitter offers a never-ending supply of examples. In 2016, a two-year-old boy from Nebraska was killed by an alligator at a resort in Orlando, Florida. Tragic. Twitter user, fill in the blank, had another take, however, announcing to her 12,000 followers what I just said. Okay, this is an example <sighs> of moral talk going awry. And it is, it is also true on the other side, quote unquote, other side. Abusing moral talk is a feature of humanity. It is not a feature mm-hmm. of left or of right. Of the left or the right. Of, nope. of yeah. poor or rich, of gay or straight, mm-hmm. of, nope. of it is a it is a universal human impulse to abuse moral talk. Okay. Is the are are is do do you feel like I'm I'm tracking? Is this is this all I think so. I think is there anything uh, you'd add? Well, I was going to say, I think in addition to uh, defining moral talk, we need to define grandstanding, which the authors describe as uh, moral talk that includes a recognition desire. They're very specific, has to have that recognition desire in order to be grandstanding. In other words, you have to want mm. other people to either see you as uh, as dominant over someone else or increase your prestige and dominance is is a little bit more about the out group and prestige is a little bit more about the in group um, but mm. basically grandstanding is a public display of moral talk and you internally have a desire to be recognized for that talk as either more respectable or more, more morally sensitive or having the right moral priorities or having really keen moral insight so yeah moral talk talking about what's right and wrong grandstanding public moral talk for the purpose essentially of making yourself look good yeah exactly so yeah. Mm-hmm. moral talk can is is itself to recap moral talk is itself neutral yep moral talk can be used and abused one form of abuse of moral talk is grandstanding which is the use of moral talk for self promotion for and if you think that we're being a little tedious in, oh, in uh, oh defining all of our terms, let me tell you about this book. It was written by philosophy professors and it shows. Okay. Anyway, hi. Lord, <laughs> Lord have mercy. This book was so <laughs> tedious. I learned, I learned a lot and there were a few yes. core things that I really mm-hmm. appreciated. There were a few core things and, and I would actually like to get to those next. Like, the most yeah. useful things that we learned, especially chapter two or or uh, uh, chapter mm-hmm. three, which is the grandstanding um, field yeah, guide. Yeah, the field guide. Um, yeah, so that I, was very useful. So I want to cover that. I want to cover the uh, useful aspects of this book first, and then let's uh, let's get into the challenges of this book because there were a lot yeah. of them, and and it's a challenging book. The the yeah. number of raging 
text messages that I got from Danielle um, <laughs> about the, as we were working through this book together no. was uh, impressive. I mean, yeah. I get raging texts. Yeah. I get raging texts from Danielle on a regular basis. Honestly, that's what I'm good at. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why I call her Danielle with a Y E L L. And yeah. I still think we need to start. We we need to like turn you into a YouTube celebrity as Danielle. Maybe. I think you'd. I think you would <laughs> I be a. What I talk about. Like but... you, you there <laughs> in your in your floral, pretty Victorian dresses, yes. drinking drinking your cup of tea, just screaming obscenities beat red yep. about yep. you know the police <laughs> and uh and and uh, billionaires and this is just my this has been my life yeah. for the past <laughs> um how many years now oh, uh i several. i yes i've been a witness to danielle's righteous rage for so long and it is wonderful and it gives me life and honestly you have helped Yay. you have helped me get in touch with my own rage you have Good. You, have, you have helped me get in touch with my own white hot uh uh, uh vindictive rage at the injustices in the world so yeah you've been a positive influence on me okay Thank you. Okay, all right. so all of that aside, I wanted to read this book because I have been struggling a lot with the internet. I have been struggling yeah. a lot with online spaces and anyone who knows me privately and probably anyone who knows me publicly knows this, but I struggle with basically all of the spaces I'm in online. I struggle with leftist spaces. I struggle with neutral quote-unquote neutral spaces where you know even like a even even a space dedicated to you know cute cat pictures can can be derailed pretty fucking fast and i'm exhausted honestly the only place where i am not completely exhausted online are a few uh discord servers and i was gonna say your cozy little discord my yeah. cozy yeah the sacred <laughs> tension discord is pretty good by the way if anyone mm -hmm. if anyone wants to join my discord server there's a link in the show notes but yeah uh, i'm i read that i wanted to read this book because i wanted to understand more clearly what was going wrong what was going wrong in my own mind what was <laughs> not just not just in others but in my in me because it isn't just others it's all of us we're all part of this thing and and I am as prone to trolling and nastiness and hyperbole and just all of the all of the dark stuff. I'm prone to that just as much as everyone else. And so I I picked up this book really wanting answers. And honestly, I found a few as as challenging and and <laughs> annoying as this book was. I I found a few answers. So a chapter three is called Grandstanding a Field Guide. Yes. So there are. Five and and if you're okay with this, Danielle, I think mm. I am just going to run through these varieties of grandstanding and we can discuss them. Do it. Does that yep. sound good? Okay, so the Sounds authors good. here discuss five forms of grandstanding. Grandstanding being moral talk for self-promotion. The first is piling on. They say, as, as the name suggests, it occurs when someone contributes to public moral discourse to do nothing more than proclaim her agreement with something that has already been said. Okay, so 
This can be done in a more kind of neutral way, like someone posts a tweet and you think that retweeting it will boost your your moral standing. So you retweet it with a little comment that says, fuck yeah, this. I do that all the fucking fine. time. I do it fine. all the it's fucking fine. time. It's fine. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's moral grandstanding. Sometimes it isn't. It's Some, not. Yeah. You know, and um, but then there are other more malicious ways that yeah. that piling on happens. One is is when someone is at the bottom of the pile, when an individual, when a person, especially an unsuspecting person, is at the bottom of that pile. And uh, in order to boost our own moral capital, our own social capital, we just pile on as well, even though we are adding nothing new to the discussion. I mean, this is essentially canceling. I think of Natalie Wynn and ContraPoints and how, you know, after she had a perhaps less than desirable person in one of her videos, uh, the internet turned on her. And that, mm. I think, is when piling on can become the most damaging, mm. is when someone starts out to shame someone else and then people are like oh yeah yeah shame on you shame on you me too i'm going to show how morally right i am by joining on in on this dog pile and uh and heaping shame upon this person and it just it snowballs it snowballs out of in my experience usually out of all proportion to what the person actually did. Mm. Now, I was going to wait till later to talk about this, but I actually think it's really Oops. important to... No, 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 you're good. Um, I, I was actually... I actually feel like it's important to bring this up now. The authors make it very clear that you can't actually know when other people are grandstanding. Nope. With, only you can know when you are grandstanding. So we can see behaviors that look like everything in this list, right? We can see behavior that look like everything in this list. But the simple reality is that we can't know. You can't know. If, okay, so if someone, say, like what happened to Natalie Wynn of ContraPoints, if you see a pylon on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, and you don't, no. you can, we can't actually know if that's mm -mm. grandstanding or not. We can't actually know if that is all moral talk for self-promotion. All we can know is when we're doing it. And thank you for clarifying that. That Steve, is because that's absolutely true. That's that one is, of the dangers yes. they point out. In this it is book. one yeah. of the dangers. And in fact, mm -hmm. pointing out grandstanding can become another form of grandstanding. <laughs> can become grandstanding, too. Yeah, because recognition desire as a motivation is, they say, crucial to grandstanding. Yes. You can't know. You can't know someone else's true motivation. You, you, you can have suspicions. Yes. You can suspect, but you can't know. Yeah, you we you can you can have some there are some pointers to it possibly being grandstanding, but we cannot know another person's heart. We cannot judge motivations. And just in general, we cannot claim what another people what other people are thinking or feeling. What I would encourage everyone do while we are going through these forms of grandstanding is to not so much think about, oh, I know when another person did that. No, you don't. We don't know when another person did this. Instead, think here, here are the ways I have done this and here or here are the ways in which I have been tempted to do this. I would say piling on for for moral self-promotion is probably the way in which I 
personally grandstand the most. Um, mm. not, not so much the piling on to other people, but piling on by adding my voice in a way that doesn't actually add anything meaningful, but is just a self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am guilty of that quite a bit. You want to be seen to agree with something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want mm-hmm. to be seen. I, I want to be seen to um, be on the right side. And, and I want mm-hmm. the prestige that comes from that. So, okay. Do you, do you have anything else to add for piling on? I think that about covers it for piling on. Okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. th- the next form of grandstanding is ramping up, mm-hmm. and they dis- they they describe this as moral talk as a moral arms race. So yes. so uh, quote moral talk often devolves into a moral arms race where people make increasingly strong claims about the matter under discussion. Call this ramping up. Okay, so yep, mm-hmm. like. And the point is not to arrive at the right moral position. The point is to outdo someone else. The yes. point is to be seen as more uh, disapproving or approving than somebody who's who's already expressed an opinion. Well, yeah. I think that pot should be illegal because fill in the blank. Well, I mm-hmm. think that alcohol should be illegal because be illegal mm-hmm. because fill, fill in, in the, the blank. blank. Well, I think just and it goes from there. <laughs> that cigarettes should be illegal right. because and, fill in the yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so it's it's this one-upmanship of of like moral prestige. It's the moral mm-hmm. Olympics. Um, who can be the most morally upright, the most virtuous? And and it's embarrassing to talk about this. Like, can we all just it acknowledge is, yeah. it is embarrassing to talk about these impulses because we all fucking have them. And they. it's really easy to try to assign these behaviors to a side that we don't like. Right. It's really yeah. easy to say, oh, the Republicans do this, but liberals don't. Or, oh, Democrats do this, but leftists don't. Mm-hmm. Or uh, everybody but, does no, it. We all do it. We're all prone to do it. And oh, my God, I was crazy cringing so hard so hard so can hard. i tell you i don't think i have posted a status on facebook since reading this book oh my god <laughs> i i understand i don't think i've done any. I, oh like i've i've scrolled through and i've like you know interacted with people that i know but i really don't think i've posted a status okay since. let me let me give you an example of ramping up And I mean, for real, this was this book was like, you know, a rectal exam for the for the social media user. I I felt so fucking violated by this book. And (laughs) and it was it was definitely like an intervention for my online behavior. Okay, so an example for me in, in ramping up. So I had a very public fight with my Poor friend Timothy, my my co-host for House of Heretics. Okay, Tim, Timothy and I had this very public. Timothy Wilds? No, not Timothy Wilds. Timothy McPherson. Okay. Um, from House of Heretics, uh, which is my patron show. Everyone should go join Patreon. Uh, Patreon dot com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. I'm fucking poor. Please help me. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm not poor. I have a sugar daddy, but you every do. every okay. <laughs> every little bit helps. Um. So it was we got into this fight about Hamilton, the musical. Oh. 
and how my point was, I mean, it's fine, but I am not a fan of Hamilton because it erases slavery in a way that's really uncomfortable for me. And um, there are actually black stories from that time period that can be told, but it doesn't tell those stories. But I was using this as a as a way of dismissing Hamilton altogether, right? And and um, Timothy, his point was, well, sure, it's super empowering to black people to to be able to re envision history in this way. It's super empowering, and I just wasn't fucking hearing it. And and honestly, I think I looking back, do I really think that? I don't I don't know. I think I was trying to be more woke. I really do. Hmm. I think I was trying having a woke off. Yeah, we were having a woke off. And and I mean I, I don't know. I I think Timothy was just, you know, <laughs> Was just, I think he was just ex- probably just expressing an opinion. Yes, I think yeah, he was. I, I don't to, think he. I don't think know. he was trying to be more woke. I think, <laughs> I think I was the one trying to be more woke. And um, sure, there might be ways in which Hamilton is problematic because of that, but that doesn't make it bad, and it doesn't mean it isn't mm. empowering, and it doesn't mean that it has opened whole new vistas for people of color and media, which it has. Right. It, it's done all of those things. And so I think this for me is a was a form of ramping up. I was uh, in this arms race with my friend hmm. Timothy trying to be trying to have the more superior morality. Do you have anything to add to to Just ramping that that up? That makes sense. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, hmm. so the hmm. the next form of grandstanding is trumping up now, trumping up is what I found the most fascinating. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I I found this really, really fascinating. And see if I can articulate this well. Trumping Hmm. up has to do with... So they allude to the princess and the pea, the fairy tale, Mm -hmm. where, you know, they they pile on mattress upon mattress upon mattress upon mattress, and there's a little pea behind or beneath all of them. And she she is so sensitive that Hmm. she can feel that pee and the irony through and the joke the through all of the mattresses and the joke mm-hmm. being it's impossible that is that's impossible it is yeah. not possible for her to feel that trumping up is similar it is having such mm-hmm. a degree of performative uh sensitivity so that you are responding to insignificant tiny slights in such a way that they might not even exist. They they talk <laughs> about they they talk about this in terms of oh how do I want to put this? They they say that trumping up actually requires some form of dishonesty. Interesting. Um, they okay. they say yeah. that the I, if I remember correctly, our tendency to moralize is like kudzu. Once the I'm just working from my highlights, and I'm realizing that that might not have been sufficient research. <laughs> let me let me see. It it requires making something out of nothing, or something out mm. of, or something much bigger out of something bigger. that is that is small. And yeah. uh, so they say, and again, you can't tell when other people no. are doing this. You no. only know when you are. And I know I've done it. Oh, same. As embarrassing as that is. To oh, my say. God. I know I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This feels yeah. Danielle. Remember when we were going to 12 step programs together? This feels like that all mm-hmm. over again. 
this this is what mm-hmm. that fucking feels like. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> lord! Yeah, no this this book was frustrating and uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it <laughs> How's really that for was. recommendation? It really oh was. Um, okay, so here's a quote on about trumping up. Yet some people attempt to establish their moral credentials by displaying a similar degree of sensitivity to moral problems, similar in regards to prince, the princess and the pea. Often this results yeah. in spurious claims about the presence of a moral problem where in fact there is none. We call this errant use of moral claims trumping up. Just as a prosecutor might trump up false charges against a suspect, participants in moral discourse sometimes make spurious moral complaints. Trumping up is a useful tool for grandstanders. By trumping up, grandstanders try to look morally impressive by objecting to features of the world that we moral peasants regard as insignificant, Mm. innocent, or even laudable. As moral princesses, they are simply more sensitive about injustice than the rest of us. Uh, notice that. Un- Stephen, oh, here oh, it is. Lord. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Hmm. Notice that unlike piling on and ramping up, trumping up requires saying something false about morality. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm. I, so go on. Go on. Something that you know to be false. I mean, part of me wants to say that I used to do this uh, more than I do, you know, now. But it's hard because, like. I think of myself when I was, you know, a little baby, teenager, super Christian, super Christian. Um, you and me and both, girl. I we were would, both so super I, Christian. Oh my gosh, we were we were hardcore. Um, but no, I would, <laughs> I would, I was, I was over scrupulous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would find spiritual problems where legitimately there were none. Same. And I still don't quite know if I was trumping up. Or if I was just being overscrupulous, you know what I mean? There, like, I still can't quite tell. There is a form if I was, of yeah. religious OCD that, mm-hmm. that comes about yeah. in certain settings, you know? And I was the same way. I think that I, I don't know, there, there is sort of a, a religious moral OCD that results yeah from certain oppressive religious settings and I think we both went through that. I don't know. I think the difference mm. would be was was it outward? Was it public? You know? I sometimes. Can, yeah, sometimes. same. I can think of times But for the most part, people didn't like it. Like and I kind of knew that people weren't going to respect me more for it. You know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. I get it. And yeah. that, that's the thing is human motivation is complicated. And and so I can think of times in my life where I have done a bit of grandstanding, but it was also mingled in with some genuine yeah, with other things, with other things, mm-hmm. with with hurt, which is one reason why with, I think yeah. this book is so useful, because, you know, you can look for certain patterns in your behavior and then inquire into your motives. And it can it, I think it could give somebody a better idea, it gave me a better idea of uh, how to identify when I'm grandstanding, because those motivations can be so complex. You don't yes. necessarily know it when you're doing it. Yes. Yeah. I, I found, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a personal, a specific personal example of trumping up. 
of being grieved at at um I'm going to think about that. I I can think of Broadway. I, I can I can give you a really embarrassing one. Okay. Well, I I find it embarrassing now. So, in high school, I was in the choir and um and our choir director was actually retired military. And we had the point, same we choir director. Sing. We did. Yay. We did. Uh, yay. Yay still, for that. He still trolls me on, <laughs> on still Facebook. He's still there. He still trolls no. me on Facebook sometimes, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, so we were we were going to sing the Star Spangled Banner. We were going to sing the national anthem at a concert. And my dad is ex-military, and I had always been brought up to stand for the national anthem. And like, you know, we'd be practicing the stars and stripes and I would automomatically stand up and the teacher was like, it's it's okay. you can sit down. <laughs> oh, like, you this don't is have wonderful. To stand every time we practice the na- rehearse the national anthem and it bugged me. It bugged me. And I, I still don't know if I was because it obviously it was public. Obviously sure. it was a reflection of, you know, sort of a moral conviction that I had at the time. Um, but yeah, I don't. And I kind of knew that everyone was going to think I was a dork, but did I also think that they were going to, I don't know, see me as something good? Maybe. Huh? Yeah. No, I, yeah. oh my God. I so get that. I, I feel that <laughs> so, so hard. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, is there, is there anything else about trumping up that we, need to discuss or or do you feel like that's that's it i think we covered that. okay cool I think we did um mm-hmm. strong emotions let me make sure this is the next one in line mm. um okay i've been i'm guilty of this all the fucking time i was gonna say this is this is where i live oh dear yeah, yeah same yeah. more more and more lately mm-hmm. um strong emotions is using using um outrage performative outrage as a uh boost to to signal your own moral superiority now this is imp- this is an important differentiation strong emotion can be necessary right when yeah. do you hear the cat in the background by the way no no okay. i can't okay I, I so know, so uh john started taking wednesday out on a leash and I- we no, we've broken her. Now all oh, she no. wants to do is just be outside, and she cries and she yowls, oh, and no. and now and so now whenever she oh, sees John just left the house to go for a walk, and uh, now she is at the door screaming, and she is going to do this until he gets back. She is going to do this for his oh, no. full two hour walk or whatever. Anyway. It's fine. Oh, Everything's no. fine. Yeah, um, everything's fine. We're fine. Okay, so moral outrage. There there are times when it is important to have heightened emotions, right? Police brutality. Yes. We should have heightened emotions. Climate change. We should have fucking heightened emotions. The fact that billionaires fucking exist. We should have heightened emotions. This is what's yeah. really sinister. Is Are those heightened emotions genuine and slash or are they in the service for personal gain? 
right? And it can be both. And it can be both. It can can Mm -hmm. totally be both. And I have totally done this as someone who lives on the interwebs and is a content creator uh, and where virtue is currency. I have 100% done this in a way that maybe my my natural response is to just be more subdued in in terms of how i present myself that on, in general even though i have some dark dark thoughts every night as i'm going to bed i my, the way i generally present myself just naturally is pretty chill and pretty subdued yeah, yeah. but there are mm-hmm. times when i feel like I have to ramp it up a bit. I have to ramp up Mm. my display of emotion so that I have that prestige. It's just true. There are times when I do that. And Mm -hmm. uh, so the important thing here is not that that emotional, that that, uh, over-the-top emotional displays and strong emotions are inherently bad. They aren't. No. Mm -hmm. The, The point is... Are we engaging in this cynically or not? Are we engaging in these emo- in these displays of emotions for self promotion or not? That is the that's the thing. And and what's dangerous about this? I'm trying so hard to focus. The cat is yowling so hard <laughs> right now. Oh my god! And it's getting sad. It's like wow, oh, no. Very, very sad meows. Poor kitty. Um, What's sinister about this is that grandstanding strong emotions cheapen. And having strong emotion. Yeah, no. Well, cheapen. They they cheapen the the gin, the, 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 the significant, the, the importance of emotional outrage, right? Mm. They can cheapen it. Yeah, no, yeah. They mm-hmm. they can they they can make people feel cynical about all displays of emotion, right? They yeah. and that that's the that's the thing. That's one of the bad things about grandstanding is how it people can detect it even if they don't have a clear confirmation that it's happening and yeah. And that sense of detection really poisons the well and and makes and leaves us all cynical. Yeah, no. I mean, if you sense that someone is disingenuously expressing moral outrage, you're that's that's shitty. That's or, that's really or if, shitty. Yeah. Or if mm-hmm. you do it, yeah. If we do it, if I do it, and then and it that, could make you more suspicious of exactly, someone else. And, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so it's okay. So moving on to the final form of grandstanding. Um, let me see here. Dismissiveness. Hold on. God damn it. My lap my laptop is misbehaving. Okay. Uh <laughs> they write grandstanders are frequently dismissive. This is one reason why they can be so frustrating and difficult to engage in conversation. It's one thing for someone to think he is better than you. It's quite another to be treated like your moral views and values aren't even worth thinking about. Yet this is precisely the modus operandi of many grandstanders. Often their dismissiveness reveals itself in claims mm-hmm. of self-evidence. For example, someone might say, quote, If you cannot see that this war is just, then your views are beneath contempt, and I refuse to engage you any further. And if you don't understand why, I'm not going to waste my time explaining it to you. Do better. Uh. Okay, so basically, oh. your your views are so repugnant, or 
or what you stand or so for, dumb or so yeah. dumb that I am not going to engage with you. Yeah. Now, once again, sometimes it's, it's nece- complicated. Once again, it's yeah. complicated, and sometimes it's necessary to dismiss people, right? Or to dismiss arguments, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes, sometimes things truly are beneath contempt. Sometimes tr- things yeah. truly are not worth the time of day. I am not going to have. <laughs> I'm. I'm not going to have a white nationalist on my show. That. Yeah. He, that that view is beneath contempt, right? That's not going to happen. And then there, I don't know how do I how do I want to say this? In other words, it's complicated. There are times when things are beneath contempt, and that's why we can get away with this, right? That is yes. why mm-hmm. we can get away with this kind of grandstanding. And again, we can't know if someone else is is being dismissive in a uh, as as a form of grandstanding, we can only know when we are. Yeah. Um. I I will. I've, I have been guilty of this one. Oh my. Oh my. Same. <laughs> oh my God. I have oh been so my. fucking guilty of this. I mean, I will. Oh, I'm. Again, specific examples. Um. Oh, I've got one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's let's do a dive here. Time, this time is another to share. reason. Yeah. This is another reason why I just sort of took a big step back on the Facebook front. Okay. So, <laughs> story time. I uh, b- my husband and I attend uh, an Episcopal church in Asheville, and the clergy people and sort of the denomination itself are fairly liberal and left-leaning. However, it's a very high liturgy sort of church. And so there are a lot of older folks who do attend and they are typically more right-leaning and conservative. So uh, one of my fellow parishioners on Facebook, you know, and we're friends on Facebook and like for a while, for a long time, that was fine. She's a grandma. She like has a business. It has a, she, she, you know, she's, she's great. Like she's sweet. And anyway, <laughs> and it, 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 anyway, it, it, it was not uh, fine. <laughs> It was not, well, anyway, so she's, she's a sweet lady and she's a grandma and that's, that's who she is. But it, from my perspective, she has been conned by the right. She has absolutely been taken advantage of and, um, you know, sort of, sort of, con- yeah, conned by, by right-leaning and right-wing politics and, and, and websites and people and news sources. Hmm. So Stephen, I don't know if you remember this, but a few months ago, there was like a five-year-old boy who was murdered in his front yard by by a black neighbor. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. And so this lady kept posting that I'm just going to call it nonsense because maybe I'm grandstanding or maybe I just think it's nonsense. But she kept posting (laughs) nonsense. Only you can know. (laughs) Only you can know. But she kept posting a lot of nonsense about where are the demonstrations for this child and where is the outrage over this child's killing? Why are we so outraged about George Floyd but not about this kid? And here's the thing, Stephen. The man who murdered this child was apprehended within 24 hours. He was charged. He was arrested without bail. He will in all likelihood serve a a sentence that reflects the maximum strength of the law. In other words, and this is a black man was done. Yeah. And it's a black man. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it. He killed a child in cold blood, but the point is not, you know, Oh, death is bad. The point is 
that the killers of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Philando Castile will never be held appropriately responsible exactly. because they are police officers. Exactly. And so, yeah, the false equivalency that was being drawn is that this child was murdered and no one is outraged, whereas, you know, the police murder someone who is black and there's all this outrage and why? And I'm like, because his killer was arrested and will face trial and consequences. Yeah. And so I hate to say it, but like she kept posting stuff about it and I kept responding and I knew it was toxic and I knew I shouldn't, but I essentially accused her of being, of of lying, of being like, don't lie, don't lie. These are not analogous and surely you must see that these aren't analogous and it's a totally different situation and how can you not, anyway, hi. And I, again, I knew it wasn't doing any good. So this for like, you is an example of, of dismissiveness. Yeah. 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 Of, of being like, this is so obvious. Clearly, it, by posting these things, mm. you're lying and you know you're lying. And mm. it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. I understand. You know, mm-hmm. that just reminds me kind of as an aside. Oh, my God, my cat. Surely my audience oh. can hear my cat. I can't. I have I, I have fantastic I have a fantastic mic if people can't hear that. Hold on, I'm getting Discord notifications. I'm going to turn off Discord. Um cool. By the way, Danielle, I'm so glad you're on my Discord server. It's a it's Aww. a fun little community. Uh, it really is. It's pretty great. No, people should join. I just live with kind of this low simmer of rage and I find that social media just makes it worse. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And and I think part of the reason is social media is just humanity's id. It it doesn't give us humanity's best. It, like if no. I'm going to spend time, if I'm going to spend time reading something, I want it to be humanity's at least most thoughtful even if it's someone who disagrees with me. So, you know, instead yeah. of instead of reading conservative insanity on twitter how about if i just read shelby Steele? how about if i just read a conservative i disagree with who i think is yeah, wrong but who is thoughtful but but yeah. who at least puts forth mm-hmm. their best and same with yeah. the left i mean the god damn honestly i was just thinking this mm. today i was reaching a yeah. fever pitch of rage today and then i was like okay i have to go for a run so i went for a run and and like burned off some of the steam i have to clock clock out i have to log <laughs> out because i'm afraid that the behavior that i see from fellow leftists makes me so furious that i'm going to be radicalized i really am i really worry about that in the opposite direction you yes mean. yes or wow. at least can towards, you give any examples or at least towards the center at least towards yeah you know yeah. towards centrism towards bourgeois liberalism you know i <laughs> I'm worried that I'm and and it it becomes especially pronounced when you take breaks from Twitter and then you get back on and then you're like, what the fuck are we doing? It is so disgusting. The way we talk to the way we talk to each other, the way Mm -hmm. the way we talk to each other, the way we treat people who aren't like us, the way we um the way we demonize, the way just all of the things. And this is in queer spaces. I mean, these are my people. And and I am 
today I was just so furious that I was like, I know that I know that the right is the biggest threat. That mm-hmm. I know that the right is the biggest threat. I know that they are gutting institutions and harming oh lives gosh. and gutting protections for minorities and women and exacerbating climate change. I at least stripping away protections for the environment. I yeah. kn- I know mm-hmm. that. I am so what I see on the on, on my leftist online spaces makes me so angry that I am afraid that it will make me so angry that I will lose sight of the real damage of the real problem hmm. because I think that's what happens. I think the spectacle of cancel culture there's something radicalizing mm-hmm. about it. I think that I think So specifically cancel culture is speci- one of the things well, that I don't yeah. know. Cancel culture is too vague a term for me, honestly. You know, and I had okay. Katie Herzog on a few weeks ago and I pushed I pushed back a bit like is cancel culture even a useful term? And I kind of still feel that way. Like hmm. I don't know if cancel culture is a useful term. It's been weaponized now by the right in pretty toxic ways, but it points to something very real. And whatever that it real does. thing is, I think the spectacle of it radicalizes a lot of people and pushes a lot of people Mm. away. And it happens on a really deep gut emotional level. And I feel it even it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like how much I rationally know the, the, but I am afraid that if I stay online, the behavior of my fellow leftists will so disgust me that I will be radicalized away from the left. So I'm like, my values are, yeah, (laughs) I know this is a moment of honesty. This is a, this is for real. (laughs) No, like I'm, I'm genuinely worried about that because I've already been there. I was almost, I almost fell down the alt-right. I'm, I'm a cringe Lord. I'm a little edgy, edgy, uh, gay boy. I'm, I can testify. I don't friends for like 18 years, (laughs) 18 years. I don't like being told (laughs) what to do. I don't like, I, I don't. I, there are a lot of things I don't like. And if you push those buttons, ooh, it gets me so fucking pissed. And yeah. um, it's happened to me before, and I'm afraid that it can happen to me again. And, I, hmm. and I'm like, the best thing for me to do is to just log off Twitter. Is to just disengage. Is to yeah. just disengage, yeah. because at the end of the day, all I mm. have are my values. All I have are my principles, and I don't want my principles to be compromised. To be well, to I suppose in a sense to be reactionary. Yes, that's what I, that don't, would be. I don't. I yeah. don't want to be a reactionary, and I think Twitter makes us reactionaries. I say Twitter because I'm on Twitter, but any social sure. media, any Facebook, you, you with uh, your you with your grandma, you or with your little grandma, that was reactionary. Mm-hmm. That was that it. Really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it does this. It does it to everyone. It just does. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't an anti-social media rant, but. Had to get that off I my promise, chest. Except it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I found this the most useful. Okay, so getting back to grandstanding, I found this the most right? useful yeah. chapter in the book. Um, there were other sections that were helpful, but sure. really the takeaway for me was this chapter. Um, and holy shit, it really was like a rectal exam. As someone who lives on the internet, it really was a, 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 it was an intervention. I was about to say a fucking intervention, but I'm trying to swear less. 
There you go. On the air because Why? I, no, it, well, <laughs> I I don't know. It turns it turns people off. It turns some people off. It turns sure. some people mm-hmm. off often. I'm trying to have broad appeal. But I but I'm I I work in retail. I work in a fucking grocery store. This is just how people fucking talk. This is yep. how this I live in an in, I I live and work in an industrial part of Western North Carolina. That's just how it's just how people do. It's just how people do. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What was less positive about <sighs> this book for you, Danielle? What was what was more frustrating about this book? Well, well, uh, as I say, they are philosophers. They love to define terms. Oh, Jesus. They love to define terms over and over. So that was that was part of it. It was like, it was like, and I appreciate a well structured argument. Absolutely, I really appreciate you know something where the point that they're making follows from the point that came before is connected to the point after. That's all great. But I felt like every time they introduced a new concept, they would go back over I don't, everything yes, else. I don't need it a was recap. Like, oh my gosh. It was like, it was like, I don't know. It was like math class where like, <laughs> you yes. and the teacher's like, but you remember this and you remember this and you remember this that we went over the, you know, the other day. Um, yeah. It was very review as you go along. And I'm like, to some degree, that's good, but maybe it was more than was necessary. They're pro- anyway, they've, they've got to be. Um, they're professors. They I'm. They're they pro- professors. Yeah. They probably that's wrote they like are. that. They probably wrote like yeah. that because they teach like that. Well, and, I was gonna say, and but, that's not a bad teaching technique. But in a written book, but, it's. I am not a college <laughs> student anymore, and I hope I yeah. never go back to school ever again. No, no it was yeah. so tedious. It was. Yeah. So and and there and I were think that their argument was well constructed and their terms were yes. thoroughly defined. Yes. My gosh. But <laughs> my lord. And honestly, the topic here's what frustrates me about that is the topic is so important. I wish. Yes. I wish it that were this, more readable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, if I mm-hmm. struggle with a book, I I'm not like a super reader. I'm not, but I'm a competent reader. If I struggle with a book, then for <laughs> sure the ordinary people are going to struggle. Yeah. And it, that's what frustrated me the most, I think, was this topic is so important and this is just not very accessible. And and it was kind of meant to be a pop book, I think. It was. It, that's the the interesting thing about it is I do think they wrote this book thinking for, oh the average layperson should be able exactly. to pick this up and read it and, but and it, access these ideas. But that yeah. was not the effect at all. It was no. very inaccessible. No. It was very laborious, <laughs> and yeah. um, I I just found it excruciating in places. And honestly, I mean you <sighs> you had a big thing with with them quoting Nietzsche later, but. Oh my god. Honestly, yeah. by that point, I was so checked out because <laughs> I'm like, oh my uh, god, we are defining terms again. 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 Yeah. We are going over this ground again. Yeah. Uh-huh. And to the point oh, where boy. I just I just like block it out and I'm going to need hypnotic regressive therapy to like um recapture those memories of what actually happened during those pages. I was probably abducted and probed by aliens while reading this book. So (laughs) you had some complaints about Nietzsche. I don't remember. I don't. Chapter six was tough. Okay. Chapter six was difficult. This, this was (laughs) the point. Yeah. This was, this was the point by which I had tuned out. Honestly, I was, Yeah. yeah. 
I was still grabbing uh, a few helpful things here and there, but I, I had checked sure. out at this point. Mm-hmm. So chapter six, would a virtuous person grandstand? And here's where we get kind of into the philosophical weeds because they try to then go back and form sort of a working definition of virtue from a philosophical perspective. And I'm sorry, but that's a lot more than a chapter. And so <laughs> I honestly, this is the point where I'm like, you really didn't have to convince me that a, a virtuous person would necessarily grandstand. And right. quite frankly, I'm not sure I care about your definition of what's virtue, what virtue right. is. Cause really they, they, they go through a different at a different point and break down sort of the social costs of grandstanding. And honestly, I think that's all they needed to do. Right. Like they, they go through a whole list of the social costs, the negative effects of grandstanding, such as, polarization it drives people to be further left and f- or further right beyond you know what is necessarily even good or useful and it alienates the people in the middle it also can um lead to as you said cynicism it can lead to outrage exhaustion where you've, exper- you've experienced or witnessed outrage so often that you're just fucking over it Mm. um it can lead to uh what overconfidence you're resistant to correction because the other side driven by grandstanding will seem more and more unreasonable so it leads to all of these all of these things that are social ills especially in a democracy and they and they go through that and that was actually pretty useful i was like okay i'm with you but then they tried to go at it from the other side and i was like i just don't care (laughs) I just don't care. And they brought up Nietzsche and they're like, Nietzsche says that the will to power is the best. And uh, okay, you're smart and you know philosophy. Okay. (laughs) Also, I am so tired of getting yelled at every single time I bring up Nietzsche on the internet. Like for real, (laughs) every... Like for real, Nietzsche pedants come out of the fucking woodwork. And they're like, you are completely misrepresenting Nietzsche. And I'm like, fine, I'm just going to stop. Fuck- fine. I'm just going to stop talking about Nietzsche. Like, fine. What? Yeah. And, and honestly, they might be right. I probably am misunderstanding Nietzsche in some way. And, so what? But whatever. I'm oh, so I'm yeah. just mm. <laughs> like, I'm done, I'm done with that. I'm done talking about Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. So yeah. would you recommend this book? recommend it with a, with caveats. Yeah. I would say, you know, don't expect the most riveting read of your life. Maybe maybe skip chapter 6, I don't know. Do what you want. But uh do, do I would say need. it's it's useful. It's useful uh skim it if you need to. Hmm. And uh yeah, just don't expect don't expect, you know, a riveting engage necessarily in always engaging read yeah don't expect game of thrones mm-hmm. um no so yeah i agree with that i learned a lot i found this book yeah. helpful and i'm i'm glad i took the time to work through it i really really am i'm also disappointed because i wish that it were more accessible because it is so important. Because it's important. It yeah. is so important. And and informative. It's important to think about this stuff. And I just know other a lot of other people are not, this is not me calling people stupid. It's just the reality mm-hmm. of, of just, you and I, we are readers. That it's what, yes. we are readers, but most people <laughs> aren't readers. And, mm-hmm. and for this to reach people who aren't readers, this is not the way to do it. This this book, 
I really struggled with it. So I would recommend it. It is a struggle to get through, but I would recommend it. Yeah. I yeah. won't give it any stars because I think star grading <laughs> systems are bullshit. But Maybe. I don't know. Should we go with stars? Let's do we stars. We go with stars. I mean, I'd give it, what, three out of five? I would give it three. Three stars. Yeah, I'd give it three. Cool. We're Maybe going... 3.5. Excellent. You know. Yeah, we sure. will post We will post this, uh, this review. We will post this podcast to Goodreads for this book. There you go. Yes. <laughs> for, uh, for edification. For edification. Yeah, no. And then, oh, man. I guess, and I don't know if this is the right time to talk about this. Go for it. Go for um, it. But I remember I, one of my rage texts that I sent to you, haha, was about where is it? And it was it was it was in the chapter called Politics as Morality Pageant. Oh yes. And they were saying that one of the things about sort of the left currently, let me find this on the page. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna read a little bit from from the novel it's or the novel from the book itself. It's not a novel. <laughs> um so meanwhile the left has recently discovered margaret atwood's 1985 dystopian novel the handmaid's tale uh and so some activists on the left now appear at protests wearing the red habits and white bonnets of the handmaids of a novel representing their fear that the real agenda of the right is to strip them of their human rights yeah so, i i, think I the, snagged i snagged mm, on that too first of all yeah I I don't know the intent with which that was written, but I hear that mm-hmm. in a snide way. The everyone Kinda. should dis everyone should discover the Handmaid's Tale because it is a they should oh, oh it is go a, out and read that book. It is a oh. brilliant mm. book. Don't just watch. Mm. Don't just watch the Hulu series. Don't just Actu- watch the show. Actually, although that's read, good too. Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> It's great, but yeah. the book Go is read that novel. a masterpiece and a classic. Everyone oh should gosh. read it. So Ooh. it's, it, it's I don't know. Yeah. It's snide. It, it, it's good. Well, okay. So basically what I, what I hear when, when these authors say that, what I hear is um, that of course the real agenda of the right isn't to strip anyone of their human rights. Of course it's not. You're being, you're exaggerating. You're making too much of, of this to which I say, fuck you sorry no um, it's true no but to it's, it as I fuck you because i did a little research and i like looked up brandon warmke and justin tosi and obviously you know they're both very well educated they're assistant professors at at you know universities so you know they are employed in academia they're well educated they are white they appear to be cis i have no idea if they're gay or straight but as white cis presumably says men yeah the right's not trying to strip you of your human rights yeah Yeah, the right-wing people like you know and it it goes back to a lot of the things i was seeing posted online during the election of oh just be calm god is god no matter who wins or you know we'll we'll be fine no matter who wins and i just wanted to be like your your privilege is showing be quiet yeah. Uh, to some degree, the current state of the right absolutely intends to strip people of their human rights. Yes, uh, it absolutely does. Bodily and like these are not beca- because these are not theocrats. fringe people. This is the president of the United States, you know, calling all, you know, generalizing immigrants as rapists and drug addicts. This is the president of the United. These are not far fringe people who are sort of spearheading the 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 rollback of human rights and 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 dignity and so yeah i felt super talked down to 
by that particular comment. I was yeah. like, yeah, Justin and Brandon, no one is coming for your rights, uh, but they're coming for mine. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I snagged on that, too. And because let's be real, I'm I'm queer and you are yeah. a lady. A and, lady. you know, a lady person. That doesn't mean that we have the exact and neither of us are people of color. So, no. you know, things are intersectional. I and, um, but they, the right consists of theocrats right now. Oh, and by the way, yes. for people who, who want to hear more about this, listen to my previous book oh club episode gosh. about the power worshipers, which is all about American theocracy. Um, Can I just say that gave me flashbacks to my childhood? Oh yeah. It was, it, it was traumatizing. Oh, so hard. We got so <laughs> fucking trashed oh. doing that episode. We, yeah. we got so Good. drunk doing that because it was the only way we can get through. Um, <laughs> the only way you can do it. No. So yeah, I, that felt a bit gaslighty to me. Honestly, it, yep. I, I struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I uh, honestly, yeah. I didn't have a very strong emotional reaction to it at the time. I, I, I snagged mm-hmm. on it. And I was like, Oh, you. And then I just, eh! carried, yeah, I just carried on because honestly, by that point I had checked out, but yeah, but you texting yeah. me that I was like, Oh yeah, that's, Oh yeah. And, and again, because here's the thing, like there could come a time, you know, should should sort of government continue down its current trajectory, especially with the Supreme Court, like there could come a time when I need a certain kind of reproductive health care and I can't get it. And that, yeah. da- you know, damages my health or endangers my life. Yeah. Like as a woman, there are certain things bodily that autonomy I be barred from. Is yeah. a human yeah. right, period. Bodily autonomy mm-hmm. is a human right. Or and- like... Or the fact that, you know, the, the right has been trying to push through legislation that would allow doctors to to just blanket refuse to, to treat trans people because yeah. they don't want to. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like, really fucking easy. It's really fucking easy to say, oh, well, that trans person can just go to another doctor. Not if you live in my little tiny town where nope. there is literally one doctor, and or if not you don't if you're have in a car, car accident and it's an emergency. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. No. So anyway, yeah, I I struggled with that too. And um, by the way, Brandon Wormkey, and I hope I'm saying your last name right. Please, please uh, forgive me if I'm not. And Justin Tozy, you are more than welcome to come onto the show. I would absolutely. I would love to talk to you. Uh, I would, and if you have a response to our conversation, I would love to hear it. I would love to have a conversation with you. So, um, I will yeah. be reaching out to both of these authors after this show comes out, and maybe we can do a follow up interview. I'm going to be trying to do that with the author of every book club episode I've done, uh, or I and I will do. So. Anyway, Sounds I, fair. I yeah. think that's about it. I think. It, yeah, it, no, it, I think we, we pretty much covered it. All right. So three stars we would recommend with caveats. <laughs> and also, I will never mm-hmm. tell someone not to read a book un- unless it's like, no. I don't know, the Turner Diaries. I would I, I wouldn't know. even tell someone to not read that. I would say read it no. with caution. But mm-hmm. I I'm generally pro reading <laughs> books. OK, so, Danielle, I, I have a mm. book on on my I have a book on my heart and mind, and it has been, I read it several months ago, and it has been driving me crazy. Oh, my. And it's by a gay conservative named Douglas Murray, and it's called The Madness of Crowds. And uh, so if you want to read that, 
if you want to read it and we can do another uh, episode, just let me know. It's kind of short and uh, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, white hot rage all the way through that book. Mm. And um, oh, I, I, I do love it to indulge in some white hot rage. Don't no. we though? Okay. All right. Well, we that maybe that oh. will be the next uh, book club episode or Could maybe be. not. Yeah. We don't know. All right. Well, that is it for this show. Thank you so much, Danielle. You are always a pleasure. Thank you. The music is by Eleven D Seven and the Jelly Rocks. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The artwork is by Ramakrishna Das. This show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan. Thanks for listening. Killing my